Good morning, church. This is the Sunday message for October 17th. So I've been watching the TV show The Crown on Netflix, which talks about the royal family in the United Kingdom. And recently I've been watching some episodes uh, that talk about Princess Diana and kind of demonstrate her life as she comes into the family. And it reminded me of a distinct memory from my sophomore year of college. So this would have been 1997, probably August, September of 97. And it was a really significant week because on the exact same week, Princess Diana and Mother Teresa both passed away. So you have these two famous, globally renowned women. Mother Teresa died at the age of 87, was known for her years of compassionate service on the streets of Calcutta, India. And then Diana died at, um, she was known for her style, charm, philanthropic deeds, died at 36. That, that, that shocked me. I, I'd forgotten she was that young when she passed. They were incredibly similar, but also incredibly different. Both were household names. Both were known for works of mercy, yet, yet only one was royalty. Only one talked consistently and openly about faith. When they died, there was a, there was a great sense of loss. But their legacy reminds us of a biblical truth. True leadership is service, serving other people. True success is found in sacrifice, laying your life down. And we see this in our gospel reading today from Mark chapter 10, 35 through 45. Mark chapter 10, 35 through 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, lest one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is God's word. So starting off, notice the arrogance on behalf of James and John. They treat Jesus like a genie and a bottle, uh, like, like a Christmas uh, Santa at the mall or something. We want you to give us whatever we ask. Give us what we want. And what do they want? They want to be in charge in the kingdom of Jesus. Uh, they wanted the seats of power on either side of Jesus, and they're imagining very much an earthly kingdom that's coming, and they wanted to be in the cabinet, right? And Jesus brushed them off, framing it as ignorance. They didn't know what they were doing. They wanted to lead, but they couldn't lead because they didn't know how to serve. Our world has a warped view of leadership and success, and James and John fell victim to it. Leadership is often assessed by the number of people you oversee, or the amount of money you make, or the power you exert through decisions. And success is often assessed by popularity and fame. And certainly it's not wrong to make money, and it's not wrong to become known. However, the key lies in the motivation. It's not wrong to lead others, but 
Why are you doing it? What's the motivation? It's not wrong to be successful, but consider how you're trying to become successful and why you want to be successful. This demands discernment. James and John's were in it for the power. They wanted to lord it over other people, and that spoiled the motivation and, therefore, their leadership. So a recent podcast has been making a lot of waves. The organization Christianity Today has put out a podcast entitled The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, which follows the story of a 1990s church plant in Seattle, which became very large, kind of nationally known, huge megachurch, uh, got up to about 15,000 people probably, and then gradually imploded and ceased to exist. Um, this was 2014, maybe something like that. It's The podcast is a really interesting listen, and um, while I might think, I mean, I've never been in a church that size or with that style, but yet it did cause me to reflect a lot about my life and about about church culture and, and just leadership culture in the world. It's pr- provoked a lot of reflection, and I'm reminded of this truth. You can pursue very good things, but for the wrong reasons. And when you do, you can ruin the very good you sought. So it's a wonderful thing to plant churches and share the gospel with others. I can't think of anything better. Yet when the desire to do so, when the desire to do something good becomes tied up with our ego, things can get really dicey. So in the podcast, they talk a lot about the main pastor, the main leader of that church, and gradually as the church grew, he became more and more interested in consolidating his power, becoming famous. He led changes in their bylaws to constrict the powers of um, what they would have known as thought of as like their elder board and to raise the power of the executive team, which he was on and only contained a couple people. And he poured tons of money into technology as they sought to leverage new forms of technology to build their brand, specifically to build like multiple campuses, even like to have campuses of their one church in other states that would just watch him over video. And, um, and, and some good things happened out of this. You know, a lot of people came to Jesus, and yet he appeared to grow more and more egotistical. Um, and there were, there were views within his church that someone like me would look at and say, I think that's really unhealthy. And it became more and more about him. Um, people encouraged him to maybe find some mentoring because he was experiencing, expressing some immaturity. And he once said he couldn't learn from a minister who had less than 10,000 people in his church. I mean, what an extraordinary thought. And in the latter years, he became fixated on growing to a church of 50,000. Specifically, you may remember this, what was this, 2008 maybe, when Rick Warren led the prayer. I think it was President Obama's first inauguration. Apparently, the pastor of this church saw that and was like, I want to do that. I, I want to be like on that level. And he became fixated on that 50,000 number. We're going to have a church of 50,000. And many look and believe that fixation led him to rationalize his bad behavior and ultimately fuel the decline of the church. It's a really sad story. Jesus offers a much different approach to leadership. Look at verse 38. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? What's he referring to? Fast forward to the Garden of Gethsemane. Consider Mark 14, 36. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. So the cup 
is his cross. The cup is his suffering, his martyrdom. The cup is his service, his sacrifice. And Jesus implies that you can't be a leader unless you're ready to drink the cup of service and sacrifice. To lay down what you want. To lay down your desires. So to be a good leader, you got to take everything that you want and lay it down. Crucify everything that you want and trust that if it's of God, God will resurrect it. But you got to lay it, everything, lay it all down. And uh, notice the response. They say, we can. <laughs> and Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. So what's Jesus saying? You know, James and John will end up drinking the cup of sacrifice, but they're not ready now. We can see that. I mean, ultimately, they'll sacrifice their lives, but it's only after they see Jesus do it and they begin to understand it. James will be the first apostle martyred in Acts chapter 12. John will endure endless persecution and be faithful even in his exile on the island of Patmos where he received his revelation. But they had to watch Jesus do it before they really knew how to do it. And they had to understand the gospel. And then he puts off the question about who will sit at the right and left hand. Basically by saying that's not his call. Presumably the father will decide that. Jesus makes no promises about what they want, for that would spoil their motivation. Like, we can't say, well, I'm going to serve in order that this might happen in the future, but, okay, I'll serve temporarily so I can be a leader in the end. No, it's, I'm going to serve, period. It's not, I'm serving in order that. It's, no, we just serve because that's what we're called to do. Now, notice verse 41. When the ten heard about it, <laughs> they, they go nuts. They're really upset. They're furious. You know, they had a secret meeting with the boss. They were angling for a staff realignment where they'd be at the top. And it's not fair because they all wanted these spots. Jesus looks frustrated, kind of looks at them all, and is like, hey, guys, this is how the world does it. We're supposed to be different. And yet, too often, Christians get caught up in these same selfish moves for power. Too many churches are corrupted because of leadership power struggles. And I think that's why many of us were drawn to Ackland. Many of us came to this community in the years when Buford Eubanks, Bill Crouch, and Paul Prill served as elders. We grieved the loss of Buford a couple years ago. We're grieving the loss of Bill now. So we're looking forward to a celebration of his life on Tuesday. And along with Paul, they did not lord their leadership over others. They were very gentle leaders. They sacrificed all three of them could have left Ackland for far easier situations years ago. But they stayed. They cleaned toilets. They took out the trash. They ministered to people with real struggles all these many years. They lived frugally, simply. They were patient and kind. They loved children. They served. And in doing so, they gave us an example of leadership. They were not perfect. I'm not trying to, to worship their legacy, but I'm saying I'm thankful for their legacy because I saw Jesus in it. When we follow their example, as they followed the example of Jesus, the kingdom will grow. We may not have success by the world's standards, but faithfulness produces love, joy, and peace. Serving others, especially those we disagree with, brings people together. Sacrificing what we personally want for the good of others resists the zero-sum game, power struggles, and strategies of this world. 
called to something greater. As Jesus closes out this passage, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus invites him to follow him by doing what he will do. Service, sacrifice, as he says it here, to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the heart of the gospel. The king gave his life for the subjects and conquered death so that we could live in his reign forever. So what does it mean to give a ransom? Someone has been taken. To ransom them means to do what is necessary to get them back, to make sure that they are safe and secure. To ransom means to pay the price for their release. To ransom means to redeem by buying them back. This world and all of us in it were under the power of evil, yet Jesus ransomed us into freedom by letting evil have him. He laid down his life. He let evil take him. Knowing that as God, he can never stay dead. He didn't try to solve it from afar. He didn't send money. He didn't send someone else. He came himself. He laid down his own life. He sacrificed. He served. This is the heart of the gospel. So when we understand the gospel, we'll know how to lead. We'll know that you lead by service. And this will create a culture where we don't tolerate other forms of leadership. This will create a culture where we call each other's selfishness out. If you see someone lording it over another, it's not just that they got leadership wrong. They don't understand the gospel. So when you see egotistical Christian leaders that have become selfish and have these public failures, it's not, it's not a failure on the periphery. It's a failure at the core because it demonstrates that they didn't understand the gospel. This is what we've been called to. This is the trajectory of our calling, the narrative of our life. Friends, who are you serving? Who are you sacrificing for? Let's pursue faithfulness instead of success, for true leadership is found in service. As I think about that comparison between Diana and Teresa, two women known for their service, I think of an interesting difference which many have pointed out. As many of us might admire Diana, you can't be like her. <laughs> you can't be royal, right? And many of us can't duplicate her style, her charm, her beauty. We can admire her, but we can't really be like her. But you can be like Teresa, right? You can go somewhere, commit yourself to a group of people, give your life for them as she did in India. You can say, this is my area, this is my people, this is my niche, I'm going to give my life for it. As we near the table of our Lord and consider the cup he has called us to, let us make this distinction. We're not simply called to admire Jesus, as many of us might admire Diana. We are called to be like him, as we can be with Teresa. Let us not just admire Jesus from afar. Let us seek to be filled by the Holy Spirit so that we can become him, like him, in our lives. Let us lose our lives in his life in order that we may truly live. Let us reflect, let us take stock, and let us recommit to serving and sacrificing for others in the name of Jesus.